nine seconds. That's what I'll give you to decide your fate. Ciao, Roberto. Roberto, tell me, what did you do back home? Government work. I'm retired. Because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. Oh. They see you as one of us now. I believe this is where I'm supposed to be. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's the third entry in the series and the fifth collaboration between Denzel Washington and director Antoine Fuqua. It's the Equalizer 3. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined by my incredible, loyal, serious about podcasting co-host, Kent Garrison. Kent, how's it going, buddy? Serious about Denzel. Serious about Denzel. If there's anybody else, I might have been out. (laughs) Yeah. There's very few people Mm -hmm. that keep me here every week. Yes. And when things get rough in in these times of the movie calendar, Mm -hmm. Denzel's one of the few. He's like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. And we don't... We don't just mean in relation to this episode. You mean like in relation to every every review we do, right before we come on the air, um, we're like, okay, all right, we gotta. What are we doing here? We gotta get amped up for this. Movie. I hide myself like, up with this speech from <laughs> Remember yeah. the Titans right yeah. before I come on every yeah. time. Because your whole deal is like, yeah, sure. To this point, Denzel Washington hasn't listened to an episode of Mad About Movies that we know of, but <laughs> but any day could be the day. That he that he jumps on the I wagon could. and joins the Mam Fam. So you just want to make sure you give your best every episode, just in case this is the one that that Denzel Washington listens to. Which I I, I agree. I think that's a great it's good Denzel great way to go on. through I think, life. I think he would enjoy coming on the show. <laughs> You're closer to it than than any of us are because you've uh, you've been. With I've him been in his time. presence one time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have. Like that's... within ten feet. Did not talk to him because I mean you can't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Too nervous to talk to right. Denzel, but right. he was within, you know, arm's reach, I would say. Yeah. yeah. My in with Denzel is, if I'm ever in the room with him, is that he was, he was in planning to, uh, go to Texas Tech if, if, uh, he had not become a great actor. So One I, of the best oh, things yeah. about, I remember about seeing him was he was in the middle of shooting the Magnificent Seven. So he had those in- incredible sideburns. <laughs> I was just rocking those. <laughs> In Oxnard. That's great. I was like, why is he looking like that? And then I looked it up and I was like, it was like in production, Magnificent Seven. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Perfect. Cannot wait. And he was the best part of that. Yeah. <laughs> by by a, a pretty, pretty wide Pretty stretch. wide margin. <laughs> <laughs> With respect to Ethan Hawke, also friend of the program. Um, We loved Enzo Washington. We, we're joking some of this, but uh, genuinely, last year in the VIP which you can be a part of at madabamoviespodcast.com slash VIP. We always do a retrospective series. This year's series, we're talking about um, historic disaster movies. So we just did a an episode on Cutthroat Island that came out last week. Um, we've done Good like time. Last Action Hero, Cleopatra. Godzilla 1998. Yeah, like these yeah, movies that like did so poorly that, that they are known as huge flops that in some cases like Cutthroat Island like destroyed a studio because Got of everyone how fired. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last year's retrospective, we went through all of Denzel Washington's filmography. And so mm. um, month by month almost, we went in like seven or eight sections and re- we watched all of his movies in, and reviewed them in chunks together and just kind of talk about the phase of his career because we love Denzel 
and feel like he's, you know, one of the most important actors of, of our era here. And, uh, and it's, so I'm always excited. Can't win. When Denzel is going to be on screen, um, even if it's an equalizer movie. So Richard can't be here today. He's stuck at Burning Man. That's tough. Um, but hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to uh, trek out and hike back to us for next episode uh, next week. So it's just you and me talking equalizer. Um, can't. Yeah, we talked about the equalizer movies last year in the VIP. But since this is the main feed kind of can you give me like a quick run through on a reminder, if you will, on on your feelings towards this series in particular. Yeah, the retrospective we did on Denzel is one of one of the favorite things we've ever done, aside yeah, from good the stuff here on the main feed. Those are on Spotify, by the way. I think you can subscribe oh, nice. to our VIP feed yeah. on Spotify. Just yeah. search Mad About Movies VIP and it's on there. So you can subscribe through there. Not only that makes it easier for some people, they listen to the to the show on Spotify. Mm-hmm. It might make it easier. Just wanted to plug that real quick but that was one of my favorite things we've done there i think the thesis we arrived at was denzel might be the greatest american actor of his generation i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's he's just so consistently great for so long and has had so many standout performances at the right times too to keep him relevant mm-hmm. and his buy-in has really never faded his consistency has definitely not faded. If anything, I think both of those things have gone up in recent mm-hmm. years. I think Hollywood is starting to find a place for Denzel in 2023, now that he's not the up-and-coming guy anymore. Mm. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do now. But sad to say or see that this is the final Equalizer movie? <laughs> I mean, come on, Denzel. you got to give us more... <laughs> McCall. I mean, McCall is one of my favorite characters that he's done. I love I love the the first one of these when we talked about it on the main feed in 2014 or whenever it was. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, there's just something about this. I've never seen Denzel be like this before in in his career. I think that might have been what sparked the idea of like, let's go back and watch and see what his career was like up up until this. And it's still like one of the most interesting characters he has, and I don't. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because he can annihilate ten dudes in eight seconds, or whatever <laughs> it is. But I think, aside from just the hyper violence of it, it's a pretty nuanced role, and he's kind of rocking it. So it's sad to see this possibly come to an end, Brian. Yeah, I uh, I like this series. I didn't love it. I still don't love it. I still don't love it, and and I think that this. Oh, come on. I think this movie some of the critiques I have of this movie individually kind of are sort of a stand in for the, the series as a whole, but I loved Enzel in this role. I think that he's more comfortable doing this Liam Neeson thing, um, than, than he was in the, in the first two. So I think that's something this movie gets right that the previous two kind of, uh, I'm not gonna say they missed on, but they, they sort of soft played it. This one, he, he seems like he is, fully in character he fully gets this is what the the guy is he's sort of comfortable in in this role and it's 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 fun watching him for sure and i dig i dig the mccall character and and the kind of uh you know the combination of like (laughs) the first one in particular is like a combination of like liam neeson and uh 
and Kevin McAllister. I mean, it's just, you know, the, like, the, uh, it's like kind the of a nail gun, you know, that's it's like, like shooting dudes in the you. eyes. Your throat's gone. <laughs> that's where you come in, small fry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're not into it. So, um, yeah, the, but I think that if, if this movie did not star, star Denzel Washington, if it starred Gerard Butler, um, oh, well, that's unfair. <laughs> that's my point though yeah. I think these movies are kind of bad movies but I think the thing that they have going they for have Denzel. them is yeah. Denzel Washington and I mean they got Denzel baby yes. come on yes. it's not uh, like yeah it's not Gerard Butler <laughs> right it's exactly. not even Keanu I mean it's freaking Denzel <laughs> exactly so you have this actor who's like like and by the way I when you talk about like the great American actors of this generation especially when you're talking like mainstream actors right like people that everyday americans know um you know it's it usually is him and hanks are kind of tied together at the hip i really need hanks to do one of these series too now like i want to see hanks kind of road to perdition but like more fun i want to see him just ripping dudes up um i think i don't know that i don't i don't know if it would work i just want to see it that's all i'm saying i want to see i want to see how maybe in the right director's hands but it can't be just Fill in the blank guy uh-huh. does Tom Hanks movie. It's got to be like Ari Aster, you know, somebody <laughs> like it's like, oh, this is yeah, just going to be really interesting what what he's able to do. Yeah, I just yeah. I don't Again, see I, it. I'm not saying it's Hanks going was, to go well. I just want to see. It. I don't I like the roles where Hanks well. is a mean guy. I man, Road to Perdition, I think is maybe is up there on his like bad, and I mean part that softened a little bit because he's a dad and all this sort of stuff. But like, he's a bad person in that movie. He's kind of mean guy in Asteroid City. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of mean guy in that thing you do, but he but comes around at the end, right? Right but at the beginning, he's kind of right. unlikable for sure, for sure. But as it so, relates yeah. to these movies, um, I think that you know I re I didn't rewatch them before this movie because we rewatched them last year. A few things always stand out with these these things. It's it's this is a fun deal. I mentioned Gerard Butler because I mean to say, if these movies were the Equalizer, um, starring Gerard Butler, uh, they are substantially worse, and they're just basically guilty pleasure movies. So, when you take a guilty pleasure kind of movie, and then you add one of the greatest actors of all time to the mix, it just it becomes something that should be a little, maybe I think should be a little more interesting than these things are. My number one takeaway, Kent, and we're going to get into general thoughts on this one individually, but I think this movie has two big things going for it and one big thing not going for it. And everything else just kind of falls in between. And the two big things it has going for it are Denzel Washington, who is awesome. I think the, again, I think he's more comfortable in the role now than he was in the previous two. He's way more, I'm not going to say bought in, but it just like the, the delivery on some of the cheesy one-liners and even the little comedy, the little throwaway jokes that he makes feels mm-hmm. right. Um, it feels like he really knows who McCall is and it, yeah, it's, it feels it's like awesome. he knows that people like this and it's yes. like, okay, now I can just make the move, uh, be really relaxed yes. in the role instead of trying to prove myself as this guy. Right. So I think Denzel's great in this. It has that going for it. I think the setting is incredible. Italy's beautiful. Um, like filming in all of these little alleys mm-hmm. and, and walkways and staircases and stuff is fantastic. Um, I think that adds, I think they were smart to, to pull this character out of, uh, out of the U S and put him in an unfamiliar setting. And it's just, it's really cool and really beautiful. And, and I love all that stuff. 
the issue is just Antoine Fuqua. He's not a good director. <laughs> and this is the fifth collaboration that they've done together. You get why Denzel um, feels loyal to Fuqua, why he continues to do Fuqua movies, not just that he's going to get paid. I don't know what his salary is for Equalizer 3, but the budget was 70 I would guess he got paid 20 or 25 million for this and deserves it. You get why why he continues to do Fuqua movies because Fuqua made the movie and that he got his, you know, his his Oscar and his uh, best best actor for. And Training Day is a great movie. Fuqua is just not a good director and his <laughs> style his style is I think is bad. You're you're much more of a camera um, behind the scenes, uh, person than me. So I'm, I'm really curious to get some of your thoughts on it, but I think stylistically he's, he doesn't really have a good, he doesn't have a style to begin with, but it's not a good style. If he does, I think a lot of his camera stuff is really cheesy and cheap. And I think sometimes the shots, like even in Italy, even in these beautiful yeah, places, it's hard to make Italy awful. not look, look great. Yeah. You're so the, the pacing ends up being this bad should, too, as a result of some of this lush. stuff, I yeah. think. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's frustrating because I love the John Wick movies. Um, you know, the first taken, I still, I'll stand by. It's a lot of fun. I like this concept a lot. And like, we've already talked at nauseum about how great Denzel is. I really feel like, just like I said, if you put, if you put Butler into, into the Denzel role, then this, this becomes significantly worse. I think if you just put, I mean, can you imagine Coogler directing this? Holy cow. But like, if you just put like a, a comp, a more competent director, and I don't mean to be dogging on Fuqua. I just think he's, I just don't think he's very good behind the camera. And I think that yeah. these movies suffer from having a sort of a poor voice, uh, directing things and, and making this stuff happen. So that's kind of my general thoughts on the third. And I don't know if you have anything to add on, on Fuqua, like I said, you're much more of a, a directorial director, or excuse me, podcaster than I am. But, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was very evident in this movie and it was extremely evident in Equalizer too. Um, like the whole sequence in, uh, in the hurricane towards the end is just kind of horrific. And that's to me is all, all I put on the, on the director. But anyway, your, your general thoughts here. Yeah, I think he, it's just stuck in what got him here. Yeah. The look of 2001 movies mm, mm-hmm. was so desaturated colors, I would mm-hmm. say. Almost like have this sepia tone to them. Right. In a lot of areas, that's just what was hot. Back then, Michael Bay was popping. The Matrix sure. was popping. You know, like you go back and watch those movies, like, man, these are really weird colors going on. That was just had a mm-hmm. thing. And then Training Day gets all this attention and from then on he's kind of relied on that style but it just doesn't do when i don't know damien chazelle is out here blowing our minds with color Mm -hmm. uh, fuqua's kind of left behind and marvel is very colorful and all of these things that we're used to seeing it just feels dated automatically Mm -hmm. he hasn't Mm -hmm. really to your point maybe gotten behind digital cinema enough to really know what he should be doing in that regard Mm -hmm. (laughs) or is maybe a little scared by it and hasn't fully bought into i don't know but there's something going on there with with these i definitely noticed it in this movie there's this one shot that's like through an alleyway and it's showing the ocean it's like why is this gray why Mm -hmm. am i not seeing the the bluest oceans that i want to see you know maybe Mm -hmm. it's just 
I, I agree with you. These could these could have a lot more behind the camera than they do. But I think the action scenes are fun. I think they're well thought out. You can tell they're thought out ahead of time. Something I've really come to enjoy with these movies is you know the first scene is just going to be him going to town <laughs> on some some henchmen or some, uh-huh. some yeah. drug dealers or whatever it is. And it's always awesome. This one, when he put the gun through the guy's head and then shot <laughs> yeah. through the guy's head at the other guy, I was like, I've never seen anything like right. this in a movie in my entire life. Yeah. And then they make you wait like an hour until another moment like that. I think that's what I like now about John Wick is that it's like, okay, we know why you're here. Yeah. We're just going to show you sure. Wick wrecking for two hours, which yes. I kind of like these. I wish they would lean more into the wrecking mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that's what you leave talking about. It's like, yeah, sure. Denzel's great. This is a cool character study on this guy, but I don't know, 25% more and maybe one b- more big sequence with Denzel would be enough for me, but it feel, mm-hmm. felt a little lacking in the action department. Yeah. Sadly for the, for the final one too. It's like, yeah. let's, just, let's just bring out machine guns. Like, no, we want to see well-rehearsed sequences. <laughs> right. I did think that that was one pretty solid story director choice was spending some time wherein McCall is trying to find peace and like kind of lean into, all right, maybe, maybe that part of my life is over and it's time for me to settle down and, you know, live out my retirement here in this beautiful little village and, and kind of learning to, to see the beauty in these things. I thought that was a pretty smart choice. I thought they lingered in that stuff, um, for maybe just a minute or two, too long. Um, to your point, because you, you get, you get more and more non action sequences. Um, but the flip side of that is you you do kind of get a sense of, and this is, again, something that I thought was completely lost in the second. The second one looks worse by the day to me. I feel like the first one, in hindsight, within context, you can kind of see like, okay, he's trying to stay out of it. He's trying to to just be chill and all this. The second one's really where it, it kind of lost some of its, the stuff that makes these things you know more fun. Anyway, regardless, um, I think it was, it's a smart choice to kind of let him ruminate and try to figure out how to... He, you can see the, I'm trying not to get into this fight. I'm trying to stay out of this thing and yeah. he just can't do it. And I kind of, I, I dig that a bunch, but I am with you that I, I probably could have used another action scene somewhere in there. Um, to, because again, to your point, this is why I'm here. I'm here to mm-hmm. see Denzel just wrecking shop on these dudes. And, um, there are long stretches where that is not a thing here. This character in this movie reminded me of something and I want your thoughts on this is McCall just Batman who's not rich <laughs> yeah he's I mean, just that vigilante yeah. justice type guys like if sure. I see crime better not get in my way he was wearing all black throughout this entire movie mm-hmm. just there's certain shots of him walk through streets I was like man this is really Batman-ish right now the entire just how it played <laughs> out and it got me thinking I was like man I would really like to see a a retired Batman movie with Denzel a as Batman, Bruce Wayne. Batman Beyond or something with him yes. as, as Batman. Yeah, I'm totally in. But this is very close to what you would get if you had a <laughs> Denzel Batman movie. Yeah. No, he's... At this point, too, they've kind of like... Uh... <laughs> it's not only that he's a vigilante justice guy, though. 
The storyline with Dakota Can- Fanning's mm-hmm. character that yeah. goes all the way back to the first one. It's like, no, he's like a fa- trying to be a father to people sure. that need right. it too. Right. It extends beyond just equalizing. <laughs> I will say I kept, <laughs> in my brain, I kept tying and untying these movies in with Man, of, Man on Fire because of him mm. and Dakota Fanning and being like, no, that's not, he. she's not actually in this series. It's, that is Man on Fire that you're thinking. Hey, great pairing. Just keep, just, if we don't get <laughs> yeah. more Equalizer, just yeah. more Dakota Fanning <laughs> Denzel content. I'm in for that. Like Chris Farley Dakota Fanning and David Spade. What hadn't seen her in a long time. She was great in this. Yeah, that she's really good. You know who also pretty great? Roy from The Office. This is his thing, man. Like he needs when to be. When he pops up, yeah. He needs to be in every, he needs to be a CIA, FBI, uh, or or cop in every movie. Well, uh, this he he has that vibe down. Well, I, maybe maybe he's like, hey man, no thanks. But <laughs> I think I don't know. He had the right. He looks. He's the right age. He looks kind of beaten down. You know, he's got the bags under his eyes and stuff. He looks the part, and he kind of has the the build and the physique. Um, yeah, he should always do this. He should let himself get typecast as CIA agent guy because um, he was pretty solid in this. You know, when I looked at the cast, get away from the the raging alcoholic stereotype (laughs) that people associate him with. I'm sure he's happy. Yeah, yeah, totally. But he was good at this. When I looked at the cast list, I was a little nervous. I, I, the Netflixization of everything, like this is this is seeped into my brain where Netflix has given us so many just just garbage action movies over the last few years, where the entire thing is like, well, we got we have one to three faces that you're going to that like household names and faces that you're going to know. And then every other actor is just some, some guy we got off the street. Um, and you're always going to be aware of that. You're always going to be aware that we spent 50 bucks on the fifth build actor in this movie. And when I looked at this, I was like, Oh no, I'm a little nervous about that. We got Denzel and we got, okay, we got Dakota Fanning. And then I'm like the third build guy is Roy from the office. I don't, I don't know. It makes me, it makes me a little I nervous. think that, yeah, I think that works to this advantage works well. because yeah, it is, 100%. it is him in Sicily. Yeah. And it's just like, he is taken in by this family and then he sees some henchmen doing some bad stuff and mm-hmm. then he calls Dakota and that's really the only characters in the movie. It doesn't, Unlike John Wick, this doesn't have a lot of backstory. There's not a lot of world building in The Equalizer. Yeah. It's him and the people he interacts with or has interacted with in the previous movies that come up. And Mm so it's very easy to follow along with. And it's not really like uh, Liam Neeson to me Mm -hmm. because I think Neeson literally is doing a bit to me – I'd be surprised if Denzel did anything like this again, aside from this series. Like he comes back to McCall, they do yeah. another one. I would, I would, but it's not like I don't see Denzel being like going on a Nicolas Cage role where he's just right. angry guy for five movies in a row. I do think part of doing these movies and part of why Fuqua is the guy for these movies is because he's somebody that Denzel trusts, and he's also probably not somebody who's gonna like. I know that, like, we know that Denzel's not here for any foolishness. Um, that A lot of that came out, like, when he did that movie with Jared Leto a couple of years ago, and he was just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, I think that I think that there's a trust for him with Fuqua of, like, I'm going to go in. I'm not going to do a paycheck role because I don't think Denzel's capable of doing a paycheck role. I just think he's too good at what he does. I think he appreciates his craft too much to just fully paycheck it. 
But he's going to come in. So. He's going to get. He's going to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going to come in. I don't think gonna, he gets offered roles. Like I don't think he gets. The I bet he does. DC I, th- I bet. Spoke- I bet they don't. I bet people. I bet studios are just like not even going to make that call because it's like I don't want to insult you by offering you Transformers. Transformers. Does that make sure. sense? There is a hundred percent chance that Marvel and DC have have tried multiple times to talk him into doing something. I I feel pretty confident. I mean, there was oh I. Maybe, MBJ maybe. Ray was talking about him being in in the Marvel universe at some point. Um, I would love that. I just know Tom Hanks has said I would love to, but no one literally. I've never gotten a call sure. about any of that stuff. Yeah, I would love to do it, but it, no one calls me. They just don't think Tom Hanks would be great for this, right? right. Maybe, maybe that's the case with Denzel. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I think there's something to he's too respected to get some of these calls. Like, I don't yeah. think he's about to turn into uh, like late stage. Bruce Willis, where he's just pumping right. out, you know, good, straight good to Redbox movies over and over again, and I think you're right that he's not going to do Neeson, where he just like this is his thing now. He's just making revenge based action movies and stuff, um, which we love, by the way. Pro, I think he still wants to do Neeson like movies. mid to mid high budget action movies, mm-hmm. and then direct his own stuff, and then maybe do a Coen Brothers movie every couple years. Like well, he's been I, doing. I mean. I said this in our retrospective, and but it bears repeating here. Like, I think a part of the the Denzel story, especially over the la- especially in this decade, or excuse me, this this century, is is the loss of Tony Scott. Like Tony Scott was was his yes. guy. Was probably is Tony Scott is probably the guy who makes these Equalizer movies if he's still alive. If we're being honest, and um, that was a director that he he clearly really really trusted and had a lot of chemistry with and that, you know, I think that loss is a significant, I mean, it's a significant one for all involved. Um, but it's a, it's, it slightly changes the course of his career and he might be more willing to do some basic action movies and stuff like that. If, if he's getting to work with, with Tony Scott and instead he's doing some of these movies with, with Antoine Fuqua, who again, it's like, I don't, Fuqua seems like a great guy. I just don't think he's very good behind the camera. And I think I think you're right, maybe more than I am. I just think I think his sensibilities kind of came to a crest in 2002, you know, and it's he just hasn't yeah. really evolved since then. Um but I do think that's part. I I'm with you though. I don't think that he's going to just do a string of these. I mean, by the way, for he turns 70 next year. So, um that's that probably doesn't help in this sort of thing. And I think he's still a I think Neeson knows 99 out of 100 calls are not going to be from Spielberg or Ari Aster or Greta or somebody who's making like a really good serious movie at this point. Um, but I think he's okay with that because he he grinded for so long to become the actor that he is now and stuff like that. I think Denzel still is like, I think he he could do another. You mentioned he could do another Coen Brothers movie tomorrow, and and be thrilled with mm-hmm. that. You know, he's in Gladiator too, which I forgot. Um, that's the next, the only thing in his IMDb yeah. as far as upcoming right now. That'll be interesting. Tony to Scott's him. brother, yeah, pair with like, pair with Ridley. I was trying to think if if he's done uh, a Ridley joint at any point in the past, but um, yeah, he's he's fascinating, and this I like that this character is getting kind of a. a a send off and spoiler alert. He, he ends in a place where you, you can say like, he kind of feels at home and peace and everything like that. Um, but it, at the same time, it just kind of feels like he's really 
figured out how to how to play this character and how to do this bit and do it well and yes. that they have figured out too this is something I'll, I'll give Fuqua credit credit for um you know the first two movies yes he's he's destroying these dudes but there's like a little bit more it's a little more effort it seems like it's a little bit harder for him all this sort of stuff. this one i mean it's like right off the bat it's like no 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 like he's 20 to one is not enough for the 20 to have a chance against this guy, which is kind of fun. And obviously it's ridiculous and stupid and silly, but that's kind of what we're here for. I think he's just trying to lay low and then some bad guys doing bad stuff, man. He's (laughs) he's got no choice. (laughs) He's got this incredible superhero like ability to Uh do anything you want. And he's, if Denzel can make a cane look cool, like I wanted to have a cane after this movie. I was like, man, I hope I have a cane when I'm older because Denzel just rocked it in the, this movie. Um, American Gangster, Ridley. Oh, yeah, there we go. And, cool. uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's one of his better and roles. And Denzel. That's, that might be a Mount Rushmore. Uh, maybe not the movie, but those, it's the one of the One of the best yeah. Ridley movies of the past 20 years, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing that this made so much money. This made over $30 million, which is $10 million more than the Blue Beetle made opening weekend. I wouldn't have thought that to be the case. I would thought this would have made 15 to 20, probably, if I was Mm going to predict it. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be very hard for them to not run it back on this one in a few years. It's already made its budget back. Probably impossible for this thing to lose money at this point. Yeah. And I see here... That they have rumored to do a prequel with maybe John David Washington in that or Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Could do that. But Fuqua has said uh, if they want to do, he's down to do another one if Denzel is. Okay. So yeah. Who knows? I, yeah. If let's. Maybe Queen Latifah can come along. <laughs> you know, just bring it all right. full circle. Right. I think these are like, I'll see if you want to do a prequel with John David Washington, I'll see it. I'm not going to go in with a lot of anticipation because I just think that they're Denzel himself is he's, he's, he's a movie star. It's the, the, he brings a crowd still to this day. Now he may not do it for the great debaters, you know, I don't know. But like, if you, if you add, if the combat or fences or something, but if the combination is Denzel plus an action-y kind of thing, something that is easily sold to mass audiences and stuff like that, or at least in theory can be like, that's a, that's a ridiculously good combination. It's a smart, smart play by the studio every time. 70 million. I wish this looked better for 70 million. If I'm being honest again, I'm sure Denzel got almost yeah, probably, he brought 25. <laughs> yeah. Probably got into your point earlier on Netflix and oh, they get one star. Mm-hmm. Or th- mm-hmm. three stars and nobody else, they'll spend 150 million on just The Rock, Gal Gadot, and yeah. Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. or whoever it is on on a movie, and then make the movie for 10 million, right? And pay everybody else three million <laughs> combined, yes. like that. Yes. So that's probably the case here. Yeah. You you pay Denzel 25, yeah. and the script is something you got off Fiverr. You know. Yeah, <laughs> they like- probably made this for. $30 million at the end of the day when yeah. it came to actual principal photography. Right. By the way, uh, Robert Richardson shot this. Uh-huh. He's the guy who shoots for Tarantino and Scorsese a lot. Man. So maybe there, maybe this was like a 
on film, not really on film situation. I don't know, but there's, some, there's something going on there. Yeah, there's some stuff that looks awful in this. Like he, he shot Venom, uh, right. the sequel. That's closer to Live by Night, the Ben Affleck one. I'm talking about the one. These are the ones aside from Tarantino. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. World War Z kind of had yeah. that look to it. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> I, I gotta say that that's uh, when you. This guy seems to be like, all right, you're hiring me, and you got to do everything. <laughs> Yeah. It's not like yeah. you're hiring Roger Deakins. Right. He's coming in. It's going right. to look great automatically. Yeah. <laughs> Every movie like, you're naming off, I'm like, that doesn't look good. It's not a good like, Well, movie. it's a good like, director. I like World War Z, but that's not a good look. But then he did movie. Django Unchained and Shutter Island, yeah. which look yeah. awesome. Maybe, yeah, so. maybe, uh, maybe it's, it's, uh, maybe this is more Scorsese and, and Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't yes. know. That might have something to do with it. Yeah. There's some sequences, and honestly, it's pretty rare that for me that the visual side of things is either the make or break for a movie. That's not really how I see movies. Most of the time I, I, I tend to, you know, eh, it didn't look great, but whatever, or yeah, there are TV shows that look better than this. This looked terrible. That I like watch it, it, HBO I'm, I'm grading it down like maybe a full yeah. letter grade because of how awful it looks. And, and some of the just, weird choices made with the camera like even that first sequence when they when they walk into the the house at the vineyard and you see there's just this carnage the carnage looked super fake like it looked incredibly yes. cgi'd and i i don't know like these aren't things that are to me that that seem like they're that hard to pull off if you're gonna give the time and maybe the money to make a movie you know and and that's a thing that we've talked about a bunch on here. And it's the thing that the entire industry has to wrestle with is, Hey, we're, we're, we're asking way too much of these VFX houses. And this is not a thing we, can we find ways to do some practical effects like we used to do, you know, like God forbid we actually, <laughs> you know, uh, like I tell, I listened to Greta Gerwig on Smartless uh, this last week. It's from a couple months ago, but I just got to it and, she talked about like how excited she was to build miniatures and do some of this stuff. Cause it's like, this is like what real movie making is. I'm like, yeah, what if we did some of that? Just, just sometimes, just sometimes. What if we didn't have to make, I don't know, 40,000 VFX shots. Cause that takes every single movie. It's easier to just be like, Oh, we'll do it in post. I know. I know. That's why everyone does. It's just crazy. Yeah, so. so it's, it's a hard thing to be like, it, again, it's like, I'm fine with that too, but like, can we make it look better? This, this should not be a movie. I guess this is my big point and why I'm going should so be all hard practical at the, well, yeah. And it's like, I think this is part of why I'm going so hard at the, pra at, at the, the technical side of this is just, this is not a movie where my brain, at least for me, this d big dumb idiot that loves the fast movies and the, you know, battleship and stuff like that. My brain should never be like, oof, that looked terrible. Like the man, the, the shot composition here is awful. And uh, like, why is this so great? Like in a movie like this, my brain should never think those things. And, and it, it was, it was pretty consistent, especially given like, again, how beautiful this setting is and some of the cool, um, I assume this was all shot on location. If not, then they they spent a lot of money on sets. But yeah, it looks Naples. like it's all shot on location, and um, it looked it looked really good on that stuff. And so, when the camera then is just so ugly with with some of the choices that we're making with the VFX and the shots and stuff, like man, that's a bummer. That's a real bummer um, that we're having to deal with that. But is there a particular scene or sequence that jumps out of you as as better than the rest, or I don't know, or or a particular criticism you want to add here before we grade it out and move on? 
Uh, not really. I think, you know, it doesn't have like an overarching villain per se mm. uh, in these, which is nice. So it's kind of the villain of the week scenario, which sure. is why I would think you should run it back because people just coming to see Denzel and that's really all they care about. And I like the way they end it because it's not like they were trying to end it. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just kind of like, all right, movie's over. There's not, not any finality to it at all. So yeah, yeah, I did I'm excited that. to see where it could go. Sure. I mean, I would have to think they'll bring this back at some point um, because they, I mean, this is the second biggest opening Labor Day weekend ever. So behind, yeah, behind uh, Shang-Chi a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I told you, I went to a, a 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Saturday and mm-hmm. it was basically completely full. I was like, what is going on yeah. here? I was like, I'll just yeah. sneak in, see what nobody else is in there and sneak yeah. out. And I was fighting people to get to my seat. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I went Labor Day at 10 o'clock in the morning because that's what would fit for my schedule. And usually even on a holiday, like like a Monday at 10 o'clock, there's not anybody here. And it was it was a pretty full theater. So uh, that's great. You know, we like that. We like to see mm-hmm. we like to see movies doing well at the theater. And I'm sure I'm sure they were thrilled with this one um, with that open and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be thrilled to go back and see more McCall. I I really would like them to figure out maybe Fuqua can direct and you just get somebody. I don't know. That's a pretty accomplished, <laughs> pretty accomplished cinematographer. I don't know. Maybe it's just not possible. Maybe it's just I'm gonna have to accept. I'm going here to see Denzel, and the rest of it's probably not gonna be a particularly good movie. But um, you know, what are you gonna do about it? I lo- the yeah. scene of him in the restaurant, um with the thugs like when when he finally is like all right i've had enough i'm i'm tapping in on this was awesome that was yes that was some of the bet like his delivery on some of those lines and his like no i'm not warning you i'm preparing you is awesome um he's just he's so quick with these uh you know five word sentences you know that and he just delivers them he just doesn't know it yet yeah 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 okay yeah, all that stuff was great. So I th- I did think they wrote better for him this movie than than they had in the previous two. Like the mm-hmm. the, the little the little throwaways and the one liners and the jokes and stuff work much better than they have in the previous two movies. And then, um, and that is you know helpful as part of this whole thing. But uh, but yeah, it'd be it'd be nice if, like I said, some of the technical stuff could uh, could figure itself out. So, um, that's all I've got. You want to grade this thing? Yeah, this one, I don't know where I'd rank it in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Probably the second one's my favorite. Oh, man. That's the but, one I don't like. Oof. I hate the. I hate that, that hurricane sequence at the end. I think it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's tough to make Pedro Pascal kind of boring on screen, too. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, I like it because it has Pedro Pascal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The first one's just so seedy underworldy to me uh-huh. yeah but the plot line with dakota is really like makes me uncomfortable and it's yeah sure so maybe the second or this one would be my favorite uh so yeah i'll grade this one out at b plus okay yeah i'm this is definitely my favorite of the three i think this is a one where my grade regardless of what it is, it's like almost in spite of a lot of the stuff that's happening in the movie, but Denzel's so cool in this and so much fun. Um, 
I came in between a B and a B plus, but I'm going to go with you. You've, you've peer pressured me into it. I'll go B plus as well. This is like one of the worst B plus movies I've seen probably, but it's still, these are so rewatchable. Yeah. Yeah. These are like, man, have this on, on a Saturday morning while you're (laughs) cleaning the house, you know, just Denzel shooting guys through other guys' heads. Yeah. That's kind of weekend I want to have. Yeah. There was right as the movie was starting, uh, I had, I had two empty seats to either side of me. Um, and right as the movie starts an an older couple came and sat next to me on one side and <laughs> that sequence, you know, opens at the beginning in this house and there's just all this crazy stuff. And the, the older gentleman go, next to me goes, Oh, so that's how it's going to be. <laughs> I was like, my screening was basically olds too. And they were loving this. Okay. They were laughing at the jokes. Yeah. I mean, they, this was a real time for them. I don't know if what they expected. Oh, Denzel's in a new one. Let's right. go see that. And then, oh my God. Yeah. So. Denzel's Q rating is pretty, pretty. Remarkable. It's amazing to me that it's, this still made so much money because yeah. I don't, I guess people were like us in the last two years and just said, you know, what's awesome. Denzel and the equalizer. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and they all just bought it. How does this make the most money of any, any uh, of them? It doesn't make uh, sense. Yeah. Denzel man, crosses all things. So, on the v- I can't tell the story on this feed, but in the VIP feed this week on our, which is our episode is talking about the program. Nineteen ninety three is the program. Um, uh-huh. I will tell you, I will tell you the my my audience's re- reaction to the poor things trailer that played before. Um, oh, can Three. So. Uh, that's a little tease for the VIP if you want to get over there uh, and be part of that. Before we go, Kent, let's do a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. All right, my man, what you got this week? I'm going to recommend a show that's kind of similar to this mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, Barry on HBO. Nice. I've gone nice. back and watched it. And it's done, it's- right? Yes, it's done. Okay. Four seasons. Okay. Uh, so good. Just goes to some dark places. It's also very funny. It's just really amazing to see Bill Hader go to this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never would have predicted it. I mean, I, I would have predicted he would have been a successful actor beyond SNL, but I wouldn't have predicted that he would go to this place, the self-produced, starring in his own thing and have it be Breaking Bad esque i just Mm -hmm. uh wouldn't know wouldn't have thought that he could pull that off the way he has but i mean it's got to be one of the best things anyone's done on snl coming out of us and i'm trying to think you know feral obviously had a run and right there's been some success stories along the way obviously Mm -hmm. sandler terry right Mm -hmm. but i mean the quality of this is off the charts like as actual piece of art (laughs) does that make sense so that's it's just incredible to uh, see our boy being so successful. It's great. You know, because I'd put like the SNL art is probably Barry and McGruber. And that's the only <laughs> art that I've seen come out of SNL in Wayne's World. Maybe it's Pat um, or the ladies' man. Yeah. I've seen the first season of Barry and then a couple episodes of season two. And I, I, don't, I don't have a reason why I stopped watching it. I was like, this is really good. I just started over. Was, yeah. I think it was probably one of those like, I'm going to wait till this is all so I can binge this whole season and then that's what I did I did like 
an afternoon, I would get through like three or four episodes because they're uh-huh. only 30 minutes each. So it's yeah. like it really yeah. hums along and it, it doesn't drag. There's only like two plot lines in the entire show right. to follow. It doesn't have meandering B and C storylines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just really impressive. Yeah, sweet. I'll check that out. That's definitely... I'm finishing up a couple of background shows right now, and that might be what I watch after I after I catch up on a couple of these things. So it's a good good recommend. I'm, I'm interested recommend- to see what you say about Hater at the end, like towards okay. the end, like what your impression of Hater sure. is. Like, man, that guy, he really did that. He really he's incredible, man. He's, he's awesome. so good. He's so good. Um, I'm going to recommend um, another. I'm going to recommend a podcast. So <gasps> I know. I found another podcast can't. It's crazy. I uh, did not know that they existed. Um, in the summer, I don't listen to any podcasts uh, because I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts during the season. And uh, and there's some other shows that I really like that just they don't publish much content in the summer. And I kind of usually take take a summer to catch up on some audiobooks and listen to music more frequently and things like that. And I don't listen to a ton of pods. Um but last week I was kind of in between podcasts or excuse me, in between books. And so I, I was out, can't, you know, I work in youth sports. I was out in my field getting soccer stuff ready, like five hours a day for five days, like in the morning and the heat and all this kind of stuff. So I queued up a whole bunch of podcasts. Joe Rogan. On. Nice. Yeah. Just, just all on Rogan. Kid, um, kids, yeah. Alex Jones, when you got to be on YouTube, at but the gym. Yeah, you can play it on your phone though, and he, the Bill Maher episode you just yeah. had uh-huh. at the church, just, and then I transcribed church it, you know, and sent it to you guys, um, so we could really delve into it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what you listening no. to, Coach Gill? Well, kids, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> um, but I listened to a whole bunch of uh, of Conan O'Brien's podcast from the last yeah. uh, few months, and. I do the, like interview podcasts. I will typically not listen to week to week or whatever. It's usually just a, I'll binge a bunch of them all at one time. Um, I just have to be in the right mood for that kind of show of that smart list or, or Marin's pod or whatever else. I'm way more likely to listen to, to five Marin episodes in a couple of days than I am to just randomly listen to one or, or listen week to week. It's kind of the same with, with Conan, but very, in very close succession. I listened to, the one with uh, with Steve Martin and Marty Short, uh, the one with uh, Mulaney, and the one with Liam Neeson, kind of back to back to back, um, and they were all just beautiful, brilliant episodes of mm-hmm. of this show. I think, I mean, we've gone on and on about how great uh, Martin and Marty are. They're so comfortable on on Conan's show, and they they clearly. I think that those two in particular probably. Uh, speak to Conan's sense of humor maybe more than anybody else. I mean, he's just so delighted with everything that they say, and they're they're obviously hilarious. The one with Mulaney was like kind of it was incredibly funny, but it also was like a real conversation between two people. Like, and I found it to be kind of therapeutic in a way the way they were talking to each other. And then Liam Neeson is just such a great guest, and you maybe. If you see all these like crazy action movies and you've never heard him in an interview setting, you may not guess, but he is a delightful uh, guest on these things. And he's so funny and very dry and Irish. And uh, the convo between him and Conan was 
was great as well. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. So check those out. The Liam Neeson, Marty Short, and and uh, and Steve Martin, and the John Mulaney episodes of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Um, I think you'd enjoy those, Kent. I'm sure the audience would as well. So check those yeah, out. Yeah, the Short calling him, saying he looked like a freeze-dried Prince Harry just killed me. <laughs> How he has 10 of those in his back pocket every time he goes on a show is amazing. He's, I want to see his process where he just sits down. It's like, <laughs> I got to come up with 10 Conan insults. I, can I, <laughs> I got to be honest. I don't think he, I don't think he plans at all. I think they, I think he is just that good and that quick. Like the, the I think he has a few. He comes up with, oh my gosh, it's. He's I just think so Conan quick. sets him up for it every time. He's, like, I yeah, think that's, that's a totally ongoing true. thing. That's totally true. Uh, yeah, he's he's incredible. Neeson was great too. Neeson talked about um, like when he did when they the first day of of uh, on Phantom Menace when he and Ewan McGregor got their their lightsabers, you know, and it's just yeah. a aluminum tube with a, a little piece of wood sticking out the top. Like we're gonna put, obviously we'll put this on in post and everything. So they started doing the fight choreography and after a minute, Lucas stopped and was like, Hey guys, um, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to make the sound effects. Like, we'll, we'll do that. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And then both of them were like, I didn't know I was doing a sound effect. Like, <laughs> it's just this, you know, this thing that kind of takes over, I think when you, when you pick up a, <laughs> a sword or a lightsaber or whatever, but it's great. Mulaney episode is great too. Um, I always, Mulaney's a great interview and, and, uh, He's, uh, I think he's best with Conan cause he really loves and trusts Conan. And so you get really good conversations out of it, but, uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's really good. Love it. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, hopefully Richard will be back. We'll have made it through the mud of burning man and he can rejoin us next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about on the main feed next week. There's not really any movies coming out. So we may do a catch-up movie or maybe something will surprise us on netflix or something or maybe we'll just do a movie news episode next weekend something like that um got a couple cool things coming later in the month i'm i'm excited for the creator i don't know about you guys but uh i'm, I'm kind of pumped for that i think it'll be fun i'm at least excited to have like some big vision of, of science fiction on screen so lots of stuff coming to the main feed on the vip this week i mentioned where you're talking 1993's the program with our good friend Kyle Banduho from Big Screen Sports. So if you want to be a part of that, you need to go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up for the VIP. Five bucks a month gets you access to another episode, a special review, a retrospective every single week. Lots of bonus episodes and tons and tons of episodes in our back catalog. In addition to access to our exclusive Discord server. Back next week talking more stuff. Until then, stay safe. And we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya Silence is They're calling again.